it's your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrill by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Welcome to Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast that reviews your favorite and sometimes not so favorite horror movies and horror media. Uh, with me as always uh, is David and Greg. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Doing all right. And uh, yet, yet again, no no cabin fever? Mm, no, no, not so much. Not yet. So much. <laughs> yet. We have invited Shay uh, from All Crime No Cattle to join us here on uh, the podcast to talk about uh, his uh, favorite film. And I don't think it's hard to say that it's uh, a lot of people's favorite film, The Thing. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here talking about this movie with you guys. It's nice to meet you, David and Greg and uh, Saul and I met uh, a while back uh, through some Texas podcast meetups, but I'm, I'm really excited. Can't wait to do it. It's uh, This is one um, I think we've been just like with Laney, we've been trying to set it up for a while. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I said, like I said, with Laney, um, you guys, you guys do so many, so many episodes and we really uh, go sometimes well, like three or four months between episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's it's more on us than anything. Well, Laney has like five or six shows and uh, <laughs> ours is, is super research intensive and we don't have a, yeah. a massive crew like Laney has over there. Uh, but uh, so <laughs> it's kind of a mom and pop shop. So my wife and I pretty much do everything for our podcast and it, it is very time consuming. And then on top of that, we do a lot of voiceover work for other shows you might have heard of. Uh, actually, I'm wearing my swindled shirt, which I do. uh voiceover for swindled so shout out to swindled in austin yeah that's one of my favorite podcasts actually um i, I mean and and just to be all transparent here all crown no cattle um is my wife and i's favorite podcast along with um a lone star lawn disorder oh thank you um, yeah both yeah. the christy show is amazing lone uh lone star lawn disorder big shout out to her but thank you that means a lot thanks for listening yeah so, uh, it, you know how Spotify will give you the most, the, the, the hours of the most, uh, I guess the most hours you've heard in, in podcasts, it's always between <laughs> your, your all's, um, ep- uh, podcast and, and Chris, Christie's uh, podcast, Christmas podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That that's yeah. pretty cool. Appreciate it. She won't, my wife won't listen to my podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my wife is my co-host and she only listens to our podcast to uh, tell me what I'm doing wrong with the audio engineering. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's, she's great. She's uh, It's really nice to have your co-host uh, be your best friend and your life partner. Uh, and also, we live in the same house. So if you have any ideas for the podcast, it's really easy to bounce them off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Shay, go ahead and let everybody know what your podcast is all about, and that way anybody who hasn't had a chance to take a listen will know what they're getting into. Yeah, so we do a true crime podcast. Uh, we do it a little differently. Uh, so there's there's like conversational shows, and then there's scripted and narrated shows. We are a week-to-week, typically one episode uh, per case. Uh, We do longer series, like our Lone Star Lunatic series, where we do multi-parters on more complicated cases. But uh, it's my wife and myself, and it's typically a conversation mixed with a well-researched script that one of us will prepare and research weeks in advance or months in advance. I don't know. We did a case that I'd been working on for a year. 
And uh, there's always one of us that doesn't know anything or little about the case that's there along with the listeners to ask questions. Um, and the other person hopefully has the answers, but uh, <laughs> it seems like it's doing pretty good. Uh, we just hit the 2 million download mark uh, a month Oof. ago. So that's it's doing decent for a show that's only two and a half years old. So Definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's one of those things that you would think that crime podcast, since it's so saturated, that it might might dilute the the amount of the popularity of it, but no, I think like the more podcasts there are of true crime, the more people actually want. Yeah, and you know, the, it, there's something to be said about having the cream rise to the top, right? So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of of true crime shows out there, and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot that that don't spend the time on research or audio quality or writing and editing. Um, music, sound, all that kind of stuff. And we do our best to try and hit all of those marks being that we're the only two people. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're, we, we sacrifice a lot for the show. We put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in there. We hope that you guys enjoy it, uh, but we're doing our best. That has been our motto through this whole COVID-19 sequester is we're doing our best. <laughs> so I <laughs> hope you guys are doing your best. We're trying. COVID has actually helped the podcast because we've actually been able to knock out five episodes um, on in a row now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weekly basis. <laughs> it's, it's been super helpful for the productivity. Yeah. It's uh, been super, super sad for our, our uh, what's it called? Social life, but. <laughs> Shay, what we... got you interested in starting a podcast like this? Ah, good question. Um, so my wife and I were big podcast listeners uh, before starting a pod we listen to all things in a lot of different genres and we would, we would always find ourselves watching true crime document documentaries or researching true crime cases. And then we would hang out on the patio afterwards and talk about it. And uh, it became our late night discussion before we go to bed. And eventually after listening to a bunch of other shows for a couple of years, my wife jokingly mentioned, you know what we should talk about this together and just record it for fun and i said well we could do that because i have a background in audio i used to work at a recording studio and i i have some skills under my belt as far as audio goes and she was like really that's actually a thing we could do and i said sure why not let's just do it and so we started doing it on a whim and a lark and now it's where it is and where can people find uh, the the podcast or where can people listen well, we're everywhere. We're on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, or Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days. Um, <laughs> we're also on Stitcher, you know, all the major pod catchers. We have a website called allcrimenocattle.com, and uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search All Crime No Cattle and you'll find us. And guys, I would recommend going out and, and listening to it. Like I said, it's, it's one of the podcast that my wife and I love to listen to first first episode that I actually um, played for her so that I can make sure I, I like hooked her was yeah. the uh, the Texas eyeball killer oh that's a good one yeah that's a Lone Star yeah. Lunatic series we did yep. a what was it, a three-parter yeah a three-parter it on was that three. case. Mm-hmm. yeah and you know I, I, the last thing I would say about our show is that uh, we would we really like to focus on uh, crimes of color um, people of color, um, you know, minorities, uh, people with uh, different 
sections of society that don't get talked about a lot in true crime because most of the time it's you know uh, things that get a lot of attention in the media and those don't happen to be people of color people who are lower uh, middle class lower class um, and and that's something that we do a lot on the show and we are always trying to do better and focus on and I think that that kind of makes us stand out a little bit Mm-hmm. And um, are you able to announce what's going to happen? Oh, like we have, what we have coming up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, I think it was last year we did a case out of Amarillo called J. Kelly Pinkerton. He was a serial killer um, who was known for being super young. He's one of the youngest people we've ever executed. And uh, he he probably wasn't officially a serial killer, but was well on his way to becoming a serial killer. And his weapon of choice was a Bowie knife. And uh, I'm now covering a case that should be out today, actually, uh, on Jason Massey, who's out of South Dallas. And he's another very young serial killer in potential. And he was caught really early. So it's got some interesting parallels to that other case that we've covered. Nice. Awesome. Uh and I guess one last thing about my personal uh, listening habits on, on the on the podcast. Um, there's been at least two episodes where um, where we were really upset at the, at the local uh, authorities. Oh yeah, um, sure. Or more than two, but w- these two were specifically because we used to live in Corpus, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What in the world going on in Corpus? And what's going on with their with their <laughs> law enforcement out there?" Was um, it uh, the Flatline murder case? Flatline and the um, the two what is it called the two tokayos? Yeah, yeah, both of those yeah. are really really interesting and infuriating cases. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make me like I've always wanted to go on fishing trips out uh, based out of Corpus and go down to that area because I, I like to fish. But boy, covering crime in Corpus Christi doesn't make me want to go visit anytime soon. Nope. Because nope. <laughs> some of these cases, like the Flatline case, was really recent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one was older, but yeah, uh, flatline was what, like not even not even ten years ago. It was like, yeah, like uh, seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, and it's still going well, on. <laughs> yeah, still haven't uh, you know charged the killer who who we obviously did it. Can we say that? I mean, seriously, this guy killed <laughs> killed this dude who was Hispanic and a rapper, and nobody cared. Yeah, and he got away with it. So yep. It's still getting away with it. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Thank you very much for for joining us here. Uh, oh, my Shane. pleasure. So, because, like I said, I, I, we've been trying to get this uh, this this episode out. I, we, we've been uh, making sure that we didn't review the thing because I know it was it was your favorite uh, oh, favorite movie. You. Before we even get into it, when was it the first time that you actually saw uh, the thing? Oh man, you know, uh, I had some cousins and I had a brother who loved to show me really scary movies when I was a kid, and I saw it probably. I think I was probably under 10, you know, probably eight or nine years old when I first saw it. And it freaked me out. And I already uh, didn't like spiders and, uh, (laughs) you know, scary animals. And I'm a little kid. So this obviously not giving anything away definitely gave me nightmares for a while. But as I've grown up, I have just constantly come back to the thing. There's so many things going on with this movie that I absolutely love from the cheesy 1980s synthesizer soundtrack, which yeah, it's cheesy, but it's also really good. Uh, the special effects, which I'm sure we're going to talk about are amazing. And it's got just a, an, an awesome cast from young Kurt Russell 
to Wilford Brimley and everything in between. I love this movie. How about you, Greg? Me? Uh, I would say like what I was probably like, uh, I can't remember the, the age. I was pretty young. Uh, we were still living back in back East and it was probably one of those Saturday afternoons with my dad. And uh, I always thought it was weird because he had, uh, he was in, he was ex-military and he had one of those um, Arctic parkas. So when you see, um, when you see them all in their, their Arctic parkas and stuff like that, especially Kurt Russell and my dad had the giant beard and stuff at the time, I always freaked out thinking he was like in my head. It was that, 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 that moment of like, oh my gosh, is he part of this? <laughs> <laughs> so he's so, showing you a documentary <laughs> yeah like it, i my brain was kind of messed up as a kid i always thought my parents were robots or other stuff but this definitely <laughs> had something to do this, this, <laughs> did you ever find uh, t- uh torn off pieces of clothing with your dad's name on it like out in the yard you're like oh no dude i don't know if you heard some of our other podcasts i don't know if i talked about it but my dad used to do some 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 I would say, looking back at it retrospectively, hilarious things. And if I was a parent, I'd probably do the same things. And they'd probably get a lot of upvotes on, like, you know, on various social media sites. But there was one time when he, like, he came up to the window of my room, knocked on the window. I looked outside. He had a mask on, paints on hand, let that thing rip. And I screamed and peed everywhere. Wow. Um, so, so this is my childhood. And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I found random stuff like that. So, <laughs> so after all that trauma, are you a fan of the movie still? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Because I will fight people about this movie for hours. <laughs> I test my I test my blood every week, so I'm <laughs> okay. Good. Oh, you get the little there petri dish out and, yeah. and do, put a little match in there. See if yeah, yeah. That's just for fun, though. I, I have a flamethrower in the garage, so. <laughs> okay. I remember this uh, this movie. From when I was around, uh, probably around six, um, I started watching horror movies really, really young. And I, my, my favorite thing was to go to this video place. Uh, it used to be called Video Stop down, down in in Harlingen. It's just like if you don't know where that is, it's like the almost close to the tip of of Texas. It's about thirty minutes away from Brownsville, which is right over the the border with Mexico. And I would go down the horror, the horror section, and I would just like, what do I pick today? <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, the thing is one of those things. One of those things. <laughs> it was, the thing is one of those movies that uh, you just once you once you see it for the first time, you just, like it, it sticks with you because, like what Shay said, it's it's it has the 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 um, the feel to it. It's the very much eighties, and yeah. um, it has the practical effects that I just miss 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 um in movies nowadays and you still get a couple of movies that will still have a couple of practical practical effects here and there but most of it's cgi but just i mean just looking at the 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 effects themselves you you see pictures of them I, we shared some pictures of them and where they're going um it's just a picture of the like the head with the, the legs whatever right? yeah. and oh, you know God. where it's from it's iconic oh yeah yeah so i'll ask David, David's not going to have so much uh, uh, history with this movie, but we'll ask David when he first watched this movie. So you're a fresh newbie. To yeah. The thing. Um, so I was telling the group last night that uh, my biggest connection to this film is when I first started interning for Greg, I, at this one convention, uh, I sat in on a Keith Tucker panel. Um, 
and I love all his cartoons, like Animaniacs and uh, um, like he drew for everything X-Men. And then he was breaking down some panels and then he was showing just like a highlight reel and he'd worked on the thing, like the opening credits. And <laughs> I was like, what movie is this? Um, and cause my mom hates horror movies. Like she thinks they're gross. She doesn't understand why we need to be scared. Like, can't we just watch like, I don't know, not horror movies. Uh, but my dad does the same <laughs> as Greg's dad where we watch Star Trek all the time. And my dad, I didn't know this at the time, but he owned a data uh, commander data mask and so mm -hmm. when I was in like the second grade he just walked into my room wearing the red uniform and the data mask but the data mask had no eye holes it just had his blank face <laughs> and I lost it I just lost my cool I was like data's beamed down into our house um, oh man but last night I have accidentally gotten a stars trial and um, I love the thing this movie is insane I I'm a new person. This is amazing. It's so good, right? Phenomenal. So this movie is a remake of the 1950, 50, 51. Um, the thing from another world. I'll look it up. I think it's 1951. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that in itself was a, was an adaptation of the, uh, I don't know if it's a story or novella who goes there. And I should probably look probably look that one up, but it's 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 a it's a a story that is it's um, this version of the thing is actually a lot more faithful to to it. The nineteen fifty one version, from what I I have never seen it full, but I from what I've seen um, is kind of it seems more like a Frankenstein monster than than a alien. Uh, what would you call it? An alien parasite um, mimic kind of thing? Yeah. Is that is that um <laughs> it's basically covid-19 is what it is. <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a virus. There's, well i don't know if y'all when, when when this first started everything you know no one knew what the symptoms were no one knew if that and you know people were freaking out when people were sneezing or any type of any type of uh you know any type of sickness there was this meme that came out with with McCready and it's like all i know is that i'm tired and no one trusts anybody <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so get on yeah. This well, is, we, this we is talked one about it a little bit too. I mean, there's a lot of parallels with this movie. Uh, you, there's social distancing going on yeah, in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there's self quarantining. There's force quarantining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the people who have it aren't showing any symptoms. Some do show symptoms, and it's like, who has it? Who doesn't have it? I don't want to get it. And if if you're called out on it, you become defensive. Like, oh no, I don't have it. I'll show <laughs> you I don't. And <laughs> that's true. You know, and it's like, wait, no, but you do have it. Stop. Get away from me. Don't. don't just you know. <laughs> right. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but I, uh, even if you think you don't have it, you don't really know. And that's uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when, like, you honestly don't know if you have it at the end of the day. You're like, all right, maybe. I don't know. I'm just holding a flamethrower here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so when this movie came out, it actually didn't open up with uh, positive reviews. It was actually mostly negative. And I, I can't. I don't know if it's more because horror movies did not get the respect back then as they do now. People didn't understand it. Maybe the 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 facts were too gross for the people back then. I don't know. Well, I don't know what it was, but it didn't open up with positive reviews. Yeah, but I think we see that a lot in 70s and 80s horror films, right? Like they're not respected mm -hmm. until way later when everybody agrees, yeah, this was a gem, you know. Yeah. 
Because I mean, it just it, we weren't we weren't prepared for horror films like this back at that time period, right? Like nobody was really uh, expecting them the way that people are now contemporarily. What's it called? This also appeared at this in the same time frame that ET came out, and that <laughs> might have also been another one. Of, like people were expecting an, an, a friendly ter- uh, extraterrestrial, and then all of a sudden you get the thing, <laughs> <laughs> the other side of the coin. You yeah. mean there, yeah, there weren't Happy Meal toys coming out for the thing. It wasn't that was, something that we well, took our kids to back then. Well, no, there was there was the GI Joe toys. There were the they were they did put out a, a toy line that was about roughly the same size. Really? Yeah, there were there were toys, action figures. Because I've seen there was on YouTube a few years back somebody had done a uh, a whole entire version of the movie, all in GI Joe scale using GI Joe figures uh, to to coincide along with the thing toys. Wow, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they, they did make toy line to to go with it. So um it's pretty pretty cool. Well and it was a pretty sizable budget if I remember, right, Saul? For you said it was John Carpenter's first big feature film. Yes, it, it was back in eighty two fifteen million, um, which is actually more money than the movie we saw last week, um, uh, which yeah. was only five million less than five million. And that and was just, others, right? Uh, no, the it was uh, grabbers. Oh, grabbers! Gotcha. Yeah. No, the, I think the others actually got a good, had a good good um, uh, backing on that one, mm-hmm. but uh, grabbers only had five million, and that's 2012. So just imagine the difference, not only in the amount of money that went in, but just in the how much it, it would actually get you back in '82. <laughs> well, and you know, you can see where they spent their money on really good effects. Uh, building mm-hmm. real sets out in the middle of this amazing landscape that makes you feel like you're in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, an awesome top build cast that knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So, I mean, money well spent, is, if you're asking me. <laughs> true, true. I mean, you got Wilford Brimley. I mean, Oatmeal Man himself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about his Eckridge sausage commercials and his commercials for commercials for diabetes awareness. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> The one that I I don't see mentioned so much when they're talking about the about the thing is uh, Keith David, which is one of my favorite voices. Yeah. In, oh gosh. In oh. video games and in in movies and. Yeah, he's really good. So good. And I knew that voice sounded really familiar, but like he looks much uh, uh, younger. <laughs> younger the show, this movie. <laughs> he's so young. <laughs> Yeah, and then I saw uh, uh, who plays Windows was named as Tom Waits, and I was like, "Wait, that's not Tom Waits, is it?" <laughs> but no, like uh, this, the actor who plays Childs has been in a, a ton of stuff. Um, there was a lot of you know just people you've seen around in a lot of different things, but then they also had the top build cast. And how good was Kurt Russell in one of his earlier films? Oh, you know, yeah. just such a great titular, you know, uh, hard ass protagonist. And at some points, you don't even know if you trust Kurt Russell anymore in the movie. Well, There's so many ebbs and flows in this film. It gets to the point where they don't know if they can trust themselves either because they don't know what the actual symptoms are. Because I think, I don't forgot who it was. They they ask, what hap- how do we know we have it or what happens if it's in us? Is it like, do we know? Is, is it still that person? And everyone's just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that it's. This, if, if this were a TV show, like, and this would definitely be a bottle episode, um, where 
it's contained in the same setting for the period of, of the movie, except that they did open up with the, the Norwegians and then they actually go and, and take a, take a look at into their base. So can we talk about that opening just for a small second? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because I think David had something to say about that too. Oh yeah. I thought we were already recording. Uh, so when I first started watching this last night, it's a beautiful scene, right? Like just a beautiful setting, uh, uh, set, uh, but then the dog is just going, and they keep shooting at the dog. And I was texting Greg and Saul, and I was like, I'm a little pissed that this movie is just about <laughs> shooting dogs. Like, is this the kind of horror from the 80s you guys enjoy? And then, like, 20 minutes later, I was like, that is not a dog. That is not a dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and, and it also, like, for me, I'm a dog lover, and there's a lot of good dog people out there. So I will cry for animals and dogs that get killed in movies. So immediately I'm infuriated. Like, why are you shooting the dog? And then they throw grenades out of the, yeah. <laughs> of the helicopter at this dog. <laughs> like, man, these Norwegians Can we- are screwed up. Go- not only that, they suck at throwing things oh, and at, totally. at aiming. The first Norwegian who throws a grenade accidentally throws it behind him by five feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that the helicopter blowing up should have been way more because there was a big old case of, of uh, grenades in there. Oh, yeah. We saw him pull one out of like 50 out of a box. Yeah. Could have been so bigger. that little that little explosion was um, way under and probably a permit kind of thing, but. Um, <laughs> they had to save it for the rest of the film, so exactly. <laughs> that's true. There's a lot more explosions in the rest of this film. You can't blow it all on one helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> so the beginning of the movie, we see a spaceship fall to Earth, right? We later figure out that it's um, it's been there for, what, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years? Yeah, I think we first see it as kind of like a comet, right? Or like an mm-hmm. asteroid landing on Earth. And then later we find that there's a spaceship out there, right? Did you all think it was necessary to show the 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 spaceship, or do you think it would have it would have been fine without it? I I'm 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 on the fence either or. Like I mean, seeing it, you know that it's there. Not seeing it, and it's the reveal at the end. You're like, oh, I knew something was up. <laughs> oh, like with someone else with the other spaceship? Are you talking about the other spaceship? Like, like if, like my my take is like I I could be I I'd be fine with it like with them not showing the spaceship at the beginning and then like just the reveal later like oh hey uh, like with the pictures and stuff yeah. like that like oh hey there's a there's a spaceship gotcha yeah because even grabbers the one we did last week it it starts off with the same kind of kind of intro and I be, believe if I remember correctly slither does the same thing mm-hmm. um and at, at one point you know I guess it's it's fine to do it um in one movie but then when all of them do it it kind of like we don't really need it it was also kind of like a theme during that period too right in yeah. the 80s and early 90s was like space invaders and then something weird mm-hmm. happens uh, on earth you know it's probably yeah homage to the original film it, it, it most likely is and like i said this one's set to be more a lot more faithful than the original movie and later i guess We'll talk about the remake of it really, or the prequel if we want to. <laughs> I thought that whether you like the UFO in there or not, I thought that it was shot pretty decently. Uh, at least that crater oh, yeah, yeah. and the the set that they used. I'm not sure if they use miniatures because they never actually go down in it. Yeah. Uh, but it looked good. Back in the, I think in the 80s, it was, um, if they couldn't get the shot in, they would draw it in, wouldn't they? They would like over yeah. the, in the film like they did. Like yeah. I don't know if you all know, like in Batman. Yeah. There's this shot where he just turns around and his cape, his cape just flows back, back behind him. Mm. That's actually all um, 
drawn in after the fact. He did not have uh, what's his name. Um, oh crap! I'm 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 blanking on his name. Um, uh, OG Timber and Batman. Dear Michael. Michael Keaton. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, I can't remember With his name. our powers combined, uh, we can summon yeah. Michael Keaton's name, even though we already <laughs> talked about Beetlejuice. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name. Uh, yeah, well, Michael Keaton does it. This he's like looking out into the city and he turns around. It's like uh, a drawn cape behind him, and you, uh, at least I didn't notice it until I was, I was actually notified that that's what it is. I'm like, oh yeah, it's pretty noticeable now. Huh. But it, unless you actually know to look for it, you're not really looking for it. So I wonder if they did that with the with the you know, like a picture cell probably drawn over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So um, the Norwegians, the evil Norwegians, uh, failed to kill the dog, <laughs> the um, but then it, he's taken out by one shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I think I was saying also before we started recording that uh, if this actually happened and I was one of the crew members at this Antarctic uh, station where this dog shows up and these Norwegians are trying to murder it maliciously with grenades and assault rifles, I would immediately be part of the thing and get infected because if this dog has it, I'm a dog guy. I'm going to take that dog <laughs> in and he's going to be sleeping in my room and I'm done. <laughs> so we kind of have hear them talking about, they're trying to figure out what was up with the Norwegians, right? Mm-hmm. They, for, they, there had to be a reason why they were, they were, they went crazy and they just they just kind of attribute it to just being out there in the middle middle of nowhere, you know. Well, they also um, make the point that they haven't been out there that long. And then yeah. someone else mm-hmm. says, I think the line is, well, you know, you can go crazy if you're only out here for 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. look at Palmer and he's just smoking a joint the, with his headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else notice how casually Palmer is just smoking joints and uh, at some point giant hog's legs of marijuana throughout <laughs> yeah. the entire movie? He he is he is the chillest. Well, it made me question like whether this was a government mission or not because I was like, do they just get to do that up there all the time? Well, and also he's supposed to be another pilot, right? Uh-huh. I thought so. Man, no wonder no one wants to fly with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not flying with him. <laughs> it's probably like government run, but probably like uh, sanctioned by science. Like they have a, they have probably have like a scientific uh, grant or something like that. So it's like multiple different science, science uh, texts and stuff like that with the the one overarching government official, i.e., man with gun. Oh, so you're saying there's like a government-run grant on marijuana studies that's be do- <laughs> being done on Palmer at the South Pole? Hell yeah! <laughs> okay, all right. Just I just want to make sure we were clear. First it was golf, then it was tea, and now it's marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the beginning of uh, Pineapple Express. You know, um, that's how you get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what a time to be high too. You've got an interdimensional <laughs> alien parasite that's that's you know uh, just morphing everyone like they're made of clay. Yeah, let's smoke a joint. Now, I don't think so. As if you're already not out, <laughs> a little paranoid. And yeah. So we we find that they actually end up. Um, well, they talk about going and visiting the the uh, Norwegian site, and we hear it's an hour away. In a helicopter, mm-hmm. so that's a pretty good good um, good distance. They don't find anything that they think is really useful. They find that body that looks like he committed suicide, 
um, blood still frozen, not even hitting the ground yet. Mm-hmm. Is, this is where they find like the pictures and they find the the the, the cavity where they've dug it out of the um, uh, of of the ice and where they sh- they find the video of them um, putting mine charges into the ice, right? Yeah. Uh, so if this is the point, this is the only time that they leave the base, but this is the the point where we get all the information that we can actually get from to know what's going on after that it's back to the to the base and it boring self in, in a base when in north uh, in antarctica when you're not doing anything um when i guess when they're off the clock or whatever to the point where they're fighting with each other trying to figure out who who the thing is so zero to 100 real quick yeah <laughs> but also this movie has a runtime of like an hour and 50 minutes and i think 10 of that is credits this is a really <laughs> fast hour and 40 minutes though. Oh, yeah. Good. And it takes, it takes about 20 minutes, 30 minutes before anything big, like fast happens. So if you even compare that, it's about only about 45 minutes of where everything's going batshit crazy. But yeah. once it starts, it never stops. It does. No. Exactly. Yeah. And even the slower scenes with tension are some of the best scenes in the movie because of the anxiety that it builds. Mm-hmm. I, I can say like when when the, like those tension scenes were starting up, uh, I was watching it. My wife popped in and she like right at that moment. Was like, ah! <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> it was because you're you're watching the build up between the characters and and just anything could just get you going, too, because you're like you're, you're just you're you're on edge with them. So yeah, you came around the corner and scared the crap out of me. And I think a lot of the films miss that mark. You know, there's they 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 try and just have everything action packed, fast, blowing up, big monster scares, whatever. But there's not enough time to just sit in the moment mm-hmm. and be afraid, waiting for what's going to happen, and have such interesting tension. Not just tension, but interesting, compelling tension. Ah, oh, this one drew to it. Well, it 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 kind of uh, plays into the the setting, right? The whole one of the one of the horror aspects of this movie is that you're isolated, you're out there all alone. Yeah. If you're not working, you're not. There's not really much you can do. You're just in in the base, right? Yeah. Can we also talk? Can we also talk a little bit about how important computers were back then, and how the first time we saw <laughs> Kurt Russell, he just pours whiskey into the hard drive of a computer. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it beat him. Because it beat him at chess. <laughs> and also, that room he was in was like a chess room. The chess. The computer said chess master, and then there was like a big graphic on the back wall of a knight and a pawn. That was like what the chess room. Yeah. <laughs> you got a maybe whole room in this base dedicated to maybe playing that's chess what they're there computer. to study. That's what they're there to study. They're stu- they're there to study the effects of uh, isolation and coldness and uh, on the computer to play chess. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But how expensive was that Macintosh he doused J and B whiskey in back then? <laughs> oh, so expensive! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, because we also saw the radio room is just full of supercomputers and cabinets. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I digress. It's no, no. it's of its day. If it's it's definitely of its day. I'm I'm pretty sure David didn't even know what it was that he was he was working on. The computer? Yeah, it was, he was playing chess, right? It's a game where you uh I've seen that in Pixar movies before. It's like why why is he why is he um playing on a TV? <laughs> why isn't he using his phone? Uh, but I also think the all those computers are so crucial to the setting because one of my favorite comics is Whiteout, where the whole sort of mystery uh takes place in Antarctica, and there's nowhere to go because if you go outside 
like you're dead on arrival. I mean, that's so terrifying. And like like we said, we, we did talk about the X-Files episode. I believe it's in the first season yeah. where they, they show up to the Antarctic station and there's this creature uh, that's just taking out the the scientists one by one. Mm-hmm. Right. And also you got to consider that uh, the, they're isolated. The, they, uh, the radio is not working and the storm is coming this bad storm mm-hmm. that's going to even further isolate them and lock them pretty much indoors while the rest of the movie takes place. Right. Um, and you can't pick up anybody on the radio. So there's nobody there really to talk to. Your only friend was that chess computer that just got doused with J and B. I don't know about you, but I'm not hanging out with Palmer. We go into with a dog, right? They're allowing the dog just walking around the whole, the whole base without an issue where they, when they have like, what four or five other dogs in the kennel yeah. downstairs? Yeah, um, and if I, I mean, why why was that? Why was the thing not um, doing anything while he was loose? It wasn't until he decided that he goes out there. Now I don't know if it's because it has to like get too big for the body that that the host is. It's you know it's host whatever. But actually, I think it was though, right? Because even though we see that that dog killed in the kennel scene with with some of the mm-hmm. other dogs, um there's clues that already there's other people infected that this dog has gotten to, right? Do they explain how it spreads? At at one point they talk about any small microscopic uh, particle uh, or cell can infect any other cell. And then it's only a matter of time before they, they, there's that, there's that again, computers with Wilford Brimley when he's studying his amazing (laughs) computer simulation I don't, I don't know oh, the yeah, virus. Yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah. it starts predicting how long, how many hours it's going to take if this virus gets back to the continental United States to infect the world. And it, it has some ludicrous number, like 27,000 hours for all these cells to replicate and spread to the entire world. It's pretty close and accurate to what I saw about two weeks ago on that briefing. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, every one person can infect three. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. And there's three new cells that come up yeah. and it infects all of them. Yeah. So I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is another movie that we've quote unquote joked about it, but we've been trying to choose movies that are not so topical because we don't want to be like so, um, like, morbid. I guess sure. talking about about what's going on. But each, three of the last four or five movies have all been pretty close oh, cool. to what's going on right now. <laughs> well, and you know, you can only relate to what's going on in your life right now. Right. So we're all mm-hmm. thinking about it. We're all, we're all uh, projecting our own problems onto this movie. So we, we uh, just, just as a, a, a side note here, we in, uh, invited Becky from, um, I have a strange story to um, go come out here and, and watch um, rabid the David Cronenberg's one of David Cronenberg's first um, horror movies. Oh, wow. And, um, it was. We were like, oh, you know what? This is not that bad. I'm like, no. It, 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 at the end of the movie, it, came, it turned out to be pretty, pretty close to what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even a side note on the side note, their first movie that they joined us on uh, was Teeth, and it's still the only only episode that has an explicit tag on it. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's understandable. <laughs> but also, can we talk about Wilford Brimley in the beginning of this movie? How mm-hmm. how uh, loose he is with blood 
when they yeah. first start finding the thing creatures and they're like, what are these things? And they're, he's starting to dissect them and he's got the scalpels and he's just got blood all over his shirt from doing these dissections. Isn't he like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah he's pulling out the heart and the lungs is like, Oh, look at this. I got the lungs and you know, and you see his, his tools are just covered in, in nastiness. And, and later he's figuring out how it spreads and everything. And he starts losing his mind. We don't know if he had it at that point. I'm guessing he did because oh, yeah. he was contaminating himself. But like you were saying, people don't know if they are the thing, if they have it inside them until too late, way later. And he's, he goes crazy. He goes prepper crazy, right? He yeah. just starts he, destroying everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would say that points to him already being affected is that later on we see them when they're doing the the panels the what are they, what are they called the, uh, the um, defibrillators oh yeah uh it opens up and 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 eats the uh eats the arms uh-huh. whereas when he's dissecting it's not doing anything to him uh-huh. and I, I i get that the the body looks dead but it doesn't matter necessarily mean the thing is dead uh-huh. so i feel like it, it because if it was alive i mean if it wasn't in him it would have done something to him while it was he was dissecting the other body. But I, I think uh, I my only point, though, is that Wilfred Brimley wasn't wrong when he starts trying to destroy everything and make sure nobody can get back to the continental United States. <laughs> like he, he was right. They were he knew they were already screwed and yeah. that he, everyone's going to die. We just got to make sure it stays here. He was he was like lock it down. He makes more sense than what Kurt Russell's character did. Kurt right, Russell's character was just like I'm gonna blow this all up, not because I don't want it to get out, but because I don't want you to hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna kill you before you can kill me. Yeah, well, well, um, Brimley's character Blair, his name I couldn't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Blair, um, he's he's more what is it worried about the the humanity, uh, whereas McCready is more like just don't hurt me, um, stay behind, stay away from me. Hey, um, McCready's a survival man. Like he's yeah, a survivalist. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. he's in it to to take care of everybody else and to make sure he can minimize damage, even if he doesn't know it until the end that Wilford Brimley was right. <laughs> and, and I want to talk about the the ending here in a in a moment. But uh, we, we this movie is easy to talk out of order and not necessarily go beat to beat because it is compacted in such a small area that we can talk about all these different um, aspects of the movie without actually having to go through the movie itself. And I really enjoy that. But what I want to go talk about is the awesome special effects. Yes. Uh, what is uh, your favorite, uh, Shay, what is your favorite um, special effect or creature um, portion of the movie? Well, you did kind of spoil it a little bit already, but h- how good is the uh, defibrillator, right? That moment where the yeah. doctor is trying to save this guy, and we as the audience, we already know, hey, there's something wrong with him. You know, this th- we saw him cough at the window earlier, uh, you know, and now he's passed out, maybe had a stroke, but he's probably the thing. And the doctor comes up with the defibrillators. He's hitting them over and over. And then that moment his defibrillators go for his chest and the chest opens up with teeth is pretty iconic. Yep. And I think that's uh, that's just kudos to Rob Botton, the special effects makeup uh, creator and designer of this film. Um, but man, that was so well done. And then it chops his arms off. He screams. He reels back. He's got the nubs. And that whole scene just develops from there. And whether you like the spider head, which is actually developed in the same scene, mm-hmm. There's just so many good moments right there 
that are just awesome. Uh, I also love the um, the wolf spaghetti intestine noodles that come out during the dog scene and start <laughs> strangling the other dogs. I mean, yeah. That's that's amazing. Uh, all the different morphed creature bodies in this movie all look great. Um, they're all gross and disgusting and unnatural. Um, yeah, I just love it all, man. I love all of it, but I, I got to say my favorite is the defibrillator scene. I got two favorites. I have uh, the, the, I already talked about it, the head with the, the legs, the upside down head with the legs coming out, the, like crab legs. Um, I think even someone even says it like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's Palmer with... at that point, and he's not yeah. sure if he's high still or not. And he looks over and he goes, oh, <laughs> hell no. And he, and they, they burn it. Um, but also the, that, that dog scene, right? Uh, where it's just all these, like you said, tentacles. You have all these extra limbs coming out everywhere yeah. you have the head um but not we only we don't only see the dog head there we see it in other spots where where they're attacking the thing and like it starts to open up and all these other limbs start coming out you see other heads and other like dog heads on it too it's just so well done man for the time and what they had to work with i mean it still looks great it still looks a little cheesy at times but i mean it's still fascinating and you can't take your eyes off of it you know Right. It looks yep. greasy and it's not even like blood. It's like a molassesy cherry juice or something, yeah. you know, which makes it even look weirder. That's what I like about we, it. It's that, that wet look. It's, it's just, it, it has that like inside out. Like if you're, if you imagine something coming out of a body, it's going to look moist, right? It's going to have that, that look of like <laughs> just goo. And yeah, it's going to have to have that look. Even when yeah. the thing comes out of the ground after, like when when they're in this in the cavern and the spaceship scene, mm-hmm. and he's oh like, the giant tentacle, yeah, it's like blah, 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 blah. and and like it's still even 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 at that scene, it's it's like dirty gross, but it's still kind of gooey gooey yucky. So it's like he's like the thing that the movie is almost forty years old, and for the effects still to hold up. Seriously, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think you can also like tell. Uh, like how much hard work was put into all those special effects. I mean, not that work isn't put into with CGI, but I mean, all the details that go into that, you can see how real it is and all that happened there. It goes to, and I said, well, I, I just wanted to touch the prequel that came out in 2011. It has very similar creature effects, but it's all CGI. Yeah. And if there's a difference when you see an actor reacting to practical effects they know what they're reacting to it, um and when to where they're reacting to like a like a tennis ball because they're saying this is where you're gonna have to look and we're gonna put in the the creature at, uh, later on yeah you there's a big difference yeah definitely and i think also in the prequel they spend a lot more time with the alien that's frozen in ice right like they're the ones that mm-hmm. cut it out of the ice and bring it back and thaw it out and, and uh, that was that was like the one interesting thing that I found in the prequel, and of course they constantly use flamethrowers and basically yeah. burn the entire <laughs> building down in the movie. <laughs> they go Chagor on it. Yeah, the only thing that I don't like about prequels—well, maybe not the only thing—but anyways, the one of the things I don't like about prequels is that when it's a prequel, you kind of already know how it has to end for it to roll into the existing movie. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when they did the the beginning um, movie, you knew that they were not going to kill him. Mm. 
Or like with Rogue One. Rogue One's such a... I enjoy that as a Star Wars film. You know nobody's going to make it out. Can we also talk a little bit about um, the blood testing scene? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that scene so much. It's so great. And I love the Petri dishes with the blood in it and how Kurt Russell has basically forced them to all get tie themselves up, yeah. test everyone's blood. But then my one problem is uh, the cook that wears the roller skates all the time Yeah, yeah. has the apron on. He goes around uh, or no, no, it's windows that does it. Windows, yeah, windows. Uh, the radio guy, he cuts everyone's thumb with the same scalpel. The same, yeah. It is dirty every time. But, but Kurt Russell, like, so, so McCready's like sanitizing the, the, the hot poker every right. time, <laughs> but windows is like using the same dirty ass knife. Yeah, so now now they're all infected, right? So at least this is my theory. At that scene, everyone becomes contaminated. Oh, man. Which is what I was going to talk about the ending. Oh, okay. Well, no, I mean, I don't know that for sure. That's just my theory. Is it that moment right <laughs> well, there? Well, they're all yeah. infected. They're just, it's taking longer. They got, they're still incubating, right? They, they're in their 14 yeah, day yeah. quarantine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except you see the, Windows um, Windows wipe off the scalpel on his uh, his Carhartt's there. He was thinking ahead there. Oh, uh, right. Cleaning it. <laughs> right. But they kill. They figure out they killed uh, one of them without being infected. And it, it was more is this this whole thing of uh, was the dog keeper, right? Yeah. 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 He he was. And you would think he'd be the one that, that would be infected first because he was hanging out with the dog. Right. And then Childs um, has the wonderful line of, oh, well, I guess you're a murderer now after they test <laughs> the dog keeper's blood and he's human. Kurt Russell wasn't really phased by that. He's like, I'm keeping everybody safe. I'm doing what I got to do. You know, I'm there keeping was myself a lot of really great safe. unfazed moments in this movie. And not to jump back to the beginning, but the the bald dude that was the redheaded dude with the beard who yeah. is the first to get shot by the Norwegians. He takes that gunshot so well. Fuchs. Kurt Russell runs up, <laughs> drops a bottle of whiskey, and he goes, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> you were just yeah, shot. But later, <laughs> later on, though, he's complaining about getting the stitches. Yeah. And he's like, hey, he just grazed you. Yeah. yeah. And these are all just tiny minor qualms that I have with the movie, because the rest of the movie is amazing. And right. uh, I guess when we get to the end, I'll talk about my other pet peeve about this movie. I, lo- I love the whole entire diatribe of, uh, of uh, the... On, on the couch when uh, they get to the last guy and he's just like, I know you all have had a very tough day. You gentlemen have had a, a tough day. Now, can you all untie me so I can get the fuck off this couch? <laughs> yes, I don't spend my last final hours on this couch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's just reminding me of gr- my, my grandpa. Cause like I could see him. He, he would be that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and we didn't talk about how leadership was completely given over from the commanding officer to Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, I think he he finally figured out, like, okay, you guys think I'm the thing, so I need to put my gun down. Yeah. But then I'm just going to hand it over to the rest of these Looney Tunes and just whoever gets the gun gets it? I mean, come on. That's a terrible leadership move. Thank goodness Kurt Russell had the nerve to tell uh, Childs, like, no, we need someone with a cooler head yeah. to take the pistol. What is it? I'm the captain now. Kind of pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the moment that that's Kurt Russell's <laughs> "I'm the captain now" moment. Uh, Have you ever seen a cowboy else? hat like Kurt Russell's? Oh, his mm. his drip in this movie is so good, right? <laughs> He's got that bomber jacket with that that uh, quattro corned hat. I mean, it's not even a tricorn hat. <laughs> Where can I get those sunglasses? Oh yeah, those snow sunglasses. <laughs> 
special order. I just want I just want to be able to grow the beard. I have the patchy beard. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh what the, <laughs> well, other than uh going ahead and going towards the the finale here, uh, anything else we've we've might have uh, jumped over before we go we go to the the end. Poor Wilfred Brimley. You know, yeah. I mean, he was sequestered for like what two thirds of this movie, out in a shack, out in a tool shed with just a bottle of schnapps. And at one point, they open the window to talk to him, and he's eating a can of beans with a noose oh, hanging next to him. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's just, just told, please let that. me come back inside. Come on, I'm telling you, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, I just want to come back inside. Like you ate a whole can of beans. Uh, we will. We're going to keep you out here for a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I did, oh man, the the prop master when he was like, "You guys want a noose for that scene?" Okay, all right. Well, geez, we're not going to kill Wolf just, Brimley, are we? <laughs> wow. Just to uh, to go back to the the um, defibrillator scene, um, the way that they filmed that, they actually had a a stunt double that had, was a double amputee, and they they attached um, fake false arms oh. to allow them. So once it went through, and a bit. The, the arms that came out were actual amputee arms. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So at the end of the movie, we see that Childs and McCree are the only ones that are that are still alive. Uh, everything's blown up, right? Right. And then they kind of look at each other, and that's they, they, either they're going to stay there and wait to die, because I'm pretty sure no one's going to come get them. Or they can try to take each other out. And the thing is that if they take each other out, they're the one. And if, if they're wrong, they're going to be there by themselves, right? And go mad. Yeah, and I think Kurt Russell makes a really good point when he's like, well, if one of us was the thing, neither one of us are in a position to really fight it. So if one mm-hmm. of us was the thing, it's obvious that we would have killed the other person at this point. Yeah. Which I think was a pretty uh, good observation. Now, the one problem I have with that, though, this whole ending scene and when Childress explains when he just comes walking up in the middle of the fiery debris of what's left of Antarctic U S camp 31 and uh, Kurt Russell's still got this magical endless bottle of J and B that has stayed with him the whole movie. Right. And he's, he's uh, he's, you know, about to freeze to death. So he's drinking his J and B and here comes childs and he explains Oh, I, I thought I saw Blair. So I ran off into the, the dark to go find him. And then I got lost in the snowstorm. Well, we've already seen that the snowstorm has died down. Second of all, how many explosions and fire have shot into the sky, like a, uh, an emergency flare to guide him back to the camp since mm-hmm. then? Do we really buy the childs has just been wandering around in the snow wastes lost? Which is one of the theories on that he's already infected by them. Yeah. If 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 one of them, it's either one of them is in. I'm sorry, it's either none of them is infected or both are infected by that point. Um, yeah. Because like you said, if one of them was infected, the other one of one, the, they would have already attacked the other. So it's either one of uh, both of them are infected or none of them are infected. Neither of them. At least that's the way I see it. Um, I'm going back to that dirty scalpel. I think it just took a little while for it to get to Childs <laughs> and uh, Kurt Russell. You know, it took a little bit of time for those cells to divide and multiply. Mm-hmm. Now they're both infected, and they're just going to sit around and drink scotch until they freeze to death. And then ultimately, someone's going to come and find their frozen bodies. And then so the we get the thing too. Restart. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. Uh, 
Yeah, no, uh, the, the thing, I don't see it being remade. Well, I, I want to revert this. I didn't see it being remade for a long time. And, but a couple of weeks ago, we just saw that it actually is going to get a, a remake. Oh, really? And if I remember correctly, it I don't know if it was going to be a movie or if it was going to be a series. But it is going to have a, a, a remake of it. Um, I'd be much more interested in a series, honestly. Oh, yeah. Give me a series. Yeah. I want to see Let the see. terrifying anxiety of like a two dozen cast members slowly get whittled down to the season finale. Yes. Oh, like, like a bachelor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's driver, but bachelor. Okay. Yeah. Roses, David. David watched a lot. Instead of, of instead of roses, you get a parasite. <laughs> he watches a lot of bachelor. It could be like a convergence, right? Like FX teams up with ABC. It's like the bachelor's thing. <laughs> <laughs> the bachelor's thing, David. Okay, I heard it. Again. <laughs> I'm, I'm still on board. This is a great idea. <laughs> uh, All right, so I am going to read uh, something that I found here on SlashFilm.com. The Thing remake based on original novel in the works at Universal and Bloomhouse. Okay. Uh, what they're doing is the new version is going to be based off the recently surfaced long lost pages of the original novel uh-huh. by John Campbell Jr. Huh. Um, so yeah, so it, what they have already of the novel was what became the basis of the the three films that have already been out, and what they're going to do is they're going to adapt the lost pages. Okay. And you said before that the and, 1983 Kurt Russell version is the closest to the source material. Yes, yes, because the 1950 version or 1951 version, uh, they changed quite a bit of quite a bit of things for it. Right. While the re- prequel was, it was trying to fill in the spot, like what happened beforehand. Right. Um, so this one is is I don't know I don't know it didn't say if it was going to be in the same universe. Man, I want to go on that uh, spaceship. I want to see what the inside <laughs> of that spaceship looks like, and I think that'd be cool. Well, I <laughs> the little I'm, one looked actually, like it was made out of garbage. washing machines and garbage. <laughs> <laughs> But the big one looked cool, and I wanted to like yeah. go in it and see like what is the imagination of what this parasite, you know, uh, alien spacecraft would look like on the inside. Is it H.R. Geiger style? Like, what does it look like? Well, it's it, yeah. When you think about it, because like the the thing could like it's a mutation of various like things, right? So mm-hmm. whatever it, it could have, it, it could sit down in a in a cool chair and have multiple stations that it would be using in my mind because it would yeah. have, like different different you know appendages and and heads maybe <laughs> yeah and i think it would be a really creepy scene uh, that has a lot of possibilities hell yeah <laughs> anyway so final thoughts on on the thing uh shay i'll let you go first oh man what else could you want from this film uh it gives you everything uh anxiety t- terror kurt russell Kurt Russell at some of his manliest best. I think <laughs> maybe he he's more. I think he's much more toned down and than he is in um, what is it? Uh, what's the little Chinatown movie? What is that called? Big Trouble in oh, China. Um, yeah, yeah, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, he's way over the top in that one. I think this is Kurt Russell like taking this role super seriously, but also being like a, a penultimate manly badass with a flamethrower. Do you, um, I don't watch, oh, I don't like, I'll say I've watched them, but I don't like the Fast and the Furious movies. 
Sure. But there was that one um, movie where he comes out as like a C- like a CIA agent or whatever. Uh-huh. At the, and at the end, he just shows off like he's a badass, just like killing everybody. And he's he's like super older, well not super old, but he's older. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still taking out these younger guys with, with his with his skills. I mean, I, um, I told Aaron this the other day. I will watch anything with Kurt Russell in it. I really will. <laughs> uh, but this is one of my favorite ones. I think this one and Tombstone are like my two mm-hmm. favorite Kurt Russell films. Um, but yeah, he's just such a likable character, and um, the story's great. The terror's good. I also own the board game the thing the official oh, board game of the thing has anybody played it besides me no no i did see you posted about it though oh it's so good it's, a while back, it's just yeah. like the movie and oh. so you play and you get one of the roles of the the crew of the antarctic space station or the antarctic science station and uh, you spend the whole game trying to figure out am i the thing am oh. i infecting other people or are is everyone else the thing and i'm the only human left and i have to kill them Oh, so is this like a clue where you one of them randomly gets uh, selected and then you have yes. to kind of whittle down? And oh, then it okay. starts to spread and like you don't know who to trust and you're still trying to uh, solve missions and complete tasks and find the thing, you know, and it's it's really good. It's very complicated. So if you're into complicated n- nerdy bird games, uh, check it out. <laughs> well, awesome. then you'll have to get something that's going to come out pretty soon here. Uh, so Greg is part of uh, uh, one of the creators of a. Uh, well, how how would you recommend? How would you um, describe Junior Braves? It's a. Uh, if, if it sounds like you like uh, uh, movies in which uh, or, or things in which uh, stuff goes sideways. So Junior Braves is a uh, a little bit Goonies meets The Walking Dead. So a group of kids goes on a camping trip, comes back town, has been overrun by zombie mutants, and to figure out what's going on and fight their way out of it, find their folks. That's the oh, wow. series. It's a it's a it's a graphic novel series by Oni Press and the uh, um, Renegade Games, who did Kids on Bikes, has taken the book series and turned it into a, a tabletop RPG that's coming out this summer. So if you like uh, tabletop games and other things like that, then you might you might dig on that. You might vibe oh wow, it. cool! Yeah, I'll <laughs> check that out. We, we we can um, if that's something we can do on on, on um, for the podcast to play. Yeah, I would love to to have just people come on and let's see see you find a way to play that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Uh, I don't know if you've ever messed around with uh, virtual tabletop uh, on Steam, uh, but they basically it's set up to where if you can program the cards and the board in and you know the tokens and everything, yeah, you can play. And we've uh, played a lot nice. of games that way uh, back in the day with friends that are out of state and stuff. You know, like Secret Hitler when that first came out. That's a really great game with uh, hidden Secret people. Hitler? Yeah, Secret Hitler is awesome. So uh, I'll talk to you guys after the show about that one if you want. But it's one of my favorite games ever, where you're one of you's Hitler and they're trying to rise to prominence and start, you know, wow. Nazi Germany, <laughs> and you don't know who's Hitler and you're trying to figure it out. Wow, I've never heard of that. But yeah, you can play <laughs> games like that. Uh, and also, I believe you can play the thing on virtual tabletop on Steam. So, oh, nice. Yeah, we might have to do that and get together and all have board game night. That'd be That's cool. awesome. I, w- I would love to do that. So, uh, Greg, final words for, well, not final words, final thoughts. Final thoughts on the thing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, it's definitely a must-see. Uh, you should, it, for for multiple reasons, soundtrack is is on point. If you, if you, like good music this is definitely one of those soundtrack driven 
very 80s oh my gosh it's just like you could you could just sit back and just like stream the soundtrack and just like work to it or whatever just like yeah it's got like some uh synth wave to it you know Mm -hmm. and i think it was predominantly all done on a synthesizer which makes it eerie and cool and also have some drive to it yeah it's it's and it's one of the few movies that carpenter did not actually score that's probably why i like it Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say the other thing that we didn't talk about too is uh, 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 coming off of Halloween uh, is that the original thing was uh, the movie they were watching in Halloween and then mm-hmm. this is based off of that in both Carpenter and oh so interesting yeah so um, that's what the, they're, they're watching when they when Michael Myers pops up in uh mm-hmm. Halloween. So it's uh it's a little tie in. So if you like if you like one, you'll like the other. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But just a little head nods, head nods. Um but uh yeah if you like dogs don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh David? Uh I was thinking about this. I feel like being on this podcast makes me nostalgic for a decade it wasn't born in. Uh <laughs> I I wish more movies that I'd grown up with like had the cool special effects that the the thing has. Um, like there are moments that I was watching last night, they were like a little cheesy and hokey, but like overall, just like the story never dropped. Like it just kept such pacing, like we talked about. Um, and then all of the acting, like was just everybody had such a distinct character, and it, you couldn't trust anybody at any point. Um, and I think I'm gonna have to get the Kurt Russell haircut after the quarantine's over. Yes. I'll get those big fluffy brown uh, highlighted locks that he has, like shoulder length. That's a good look, man. He's... Especially if you can mix a little J and B in there with it. <laughs> Did he can pull it off? I know he could. He's got the he's got the hair length already. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. yeah, such a dynamic cast, like you were saying, and all those roles were so different and unique, and you felt like by. Uh, probably the second or third act. Well, yeah, definitely the second act of the movie that you you identified with a certain character, or you could at least identify the differences between all of them. Which a lot of movies, especially horror movies, drop the ball on that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like with we we keep talking about windows and stuff, and like you know he played Fox in the Warriors. And he's just like I I don't know. Like I just love I love his character throughout the whole movie because he's that he's kind of just that sketchy dude, you know. Good old Tom Waits, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing brings in um, different aspects of horror that I love when they get mixed. The 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 horror or the the fear of being isolated, you know, in a place where you can't get to to someone that where, when you need it, you know, even if, whether it be in Antarctica or let's say in the middle of the woods where you can't get anywhere uh, fast to to get help. Uh, you get the alien invasion where they're not only just an alien invasion, but the, the, the hidden alien that, well, that, that mimics other humans, you get the, uh, paranoia, paranoia where now not only you have to fight the, the, the alien, but now you have to fight your fellow humans because you don't know who to trust anymore. It just mixes all of those together. And then of course, like we said, the, the, the music, the, the, um, the pace of the movie, it, it just all comes together and it sucks that it didn't do so well back when it first came out. Uh, John Carpenter actually lost the um, directing uh, gig for Firestarter because of this uh, movie because it didn't do well. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I like Firestarter. It's not the best movie, but I like Firestarter. And I can just imagine what it could have done with with uh, uh, John Carpenter. 
uh, at the helm. Uh, he actually just uh, didn't talk about it for a long time uh, because of it, but later on did say that he didn't take into consideration what the public thought, what their taste was. It was more what he thought would be good for the movie. And I think that's the way that you should approach um at least horror movies, not, not to the point where you go out of your way to maybe, um, I guess, get on people's nerves or go out of your way to, to insult people, but you know, do what you need to do to make that your story told. But, but he was, he was so ahead of his time with this movie, mm-hmm. you know, because like name another movie from 1983 or before where you can, you can d- just annoy an audience to where they don't know who the protagonist is. And even when you think you know who the protagonist is, all of a sudden the entire movie is against that person and is trying to convince you that they are the alien parasite. Mm-hmm. You know, and at, the, at the end of the day, it still leaves you not knowing what 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 the true the true answer is. Yeah, and I think that's the the lasting testament of why this movie is so great is because it was kind of the first of its kind. Um, I mean, obviously there was an earlier version in the 1950s, but if you've seen it this one blows it out of the water, man. And the, just the dyna- the dynamic uh, nature of the cast and the way it was shot and the screenwriting was just top notch. And it also, one thing I forgot about, but the aspects of horror, it, it talks about the, the inhuman monsters or inhuman beasts that lived before humans that are now um, living even, even on earth, you know, it's kind of that, the whole, older elder ones from from hp lovecraft that are that are stuck in ice um so it's it's it it has so much like you said it's it's so ahead of of its time and and i if if it was done today like let's say the thing that hadn't come out in 82 and it was done today i i I feel like it would it would win awards now because or at least be nominated for a big award because people are now so much more um appreciative of good horror yeah, I think I, I think we did a, a pretty good pretty good job at, at talking about the movie. Like I said, we didn't we didn't go beat for beat for with the the film, but it didn't. This kind of this movie doesn't need us to go beat for beat because we can talk about everything that happens in jumping around and, and still make sense of what's going on. Yeah, sure. and I think the whole movie happened in what ten rooms. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh, uh, one of the other special effects that I really enjoyed was the hand that went into uh, the commander's face and was messing around with his cheek skin, and you could see oh. Wilfred Brimley's hand moving around in his face. <laughs> and then you catch the glimpse of the whole hand engulfing his head like a skin balloon as it's dragging him off into the back of the cavern. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's the practical effects that I miss. Uh, the blob. The, um, I've, and I've talked about it, I think, one more time in, in the in the um, in this podcast, is the, the blob is eating somebody, and you can still see their eye twitching and moving, and and you can, you can see as the skin is melting off, and now, like I said, with CGI, CGI has gotten so much better, mm-hmm. and I'm not putting down the people who work in CGI. It's just not as realistic looking as if you did a practical effect. Yeah, right. there's something visceral about the practical effects in this movie. Like uh, I think David or Greg was talking about the wetness and the mm-hmm. the the, na- the natural scariness and the natural frightening uh, nature of the way that the effects are done in this movie um, that really just makes the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got to keep it wet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the t-shirt for this episode. Got to keep it wet. Um, oh, that's going to be the, the, the name, the, the nerds keep it wet. 
Um, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and, and call it there. Well, thanks so much for having me on and to discuss this movie. I had a great time. It was so nice to, to talk to you guys about the thing. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for, for, for opening up uh, your, your time here uh, to, to be with us. Cause uh, we were, we we're so pumped to be able to have you on to talk about it as well. Uh, once again, uh, do you want to, let people know where they can follow you or where people can keep up with the, with the podcast. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at ACNC podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram at all crime, no cattle, and we're on Facebook at all crime, no cattle. Uh, you can also shoot us an email. If you have any suggestions for Texas true crime cases uh, to all crime, no cattle at gmail.com. And then we have our website, all crime, no cattle.com. And remember guys, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at nerds FTC. Uh, you can go to our T public store and get our merch, new t-shirts, mugs, um, stickers, magnets, and all that is available there. And I believe as of right now, and I think right now T public is doing a lot of sales with, uh, with their stuff because you know, they want to be, be, have people still be able to purchase their stuff without, without butts in the bank. So, uh, keep a lookout for the sales that keep are going to keep coming out. And uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought about this episode of What the Podcast. And uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, give you a shout out next time around. Uh, we're going to go ahead and leave it there. And we'll see you guys next time on Church from the Crypt. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.